and I thank the tribe for your generosity in hosting us. We are in the Minnesota River Valley, which has been the home to the Dakota people for many generations. This place that is now called Minnesota is the ancestral home of the Dakota and Anishinaabe people and other indigenous people who have lived and cared for this beautiful part of the world for millennia. In this hearing, it is important to understand the government-to-government -government relationship between Minnesota tribes and the federal government. This is a relationship that is based on the Constitution, the laws and treaties between the United States and sovereign tribal nations, and it is our responsibility to respect and recognize these treaty responsibilities. In this spirit, I am proud to serve and represent Minnesota's tribal nations and urban indigenous communities on the Senate Indian Affairs Committee and on all the committees that I serve. Um, I take this work seriously because I have heard time and time again from tribal leaders who have been frustrated by policy decisions being made without Native voices at the table. I know that the Biden administration understands this and has taken a strong stance that the government-to-government -government relationships with tribal nations will not be taken for granted. The appointment of Secretary Deb Holland to the Department of the Interior is historic for this reason. We were honored to welcome Secretary Holland to Minnesota earlier this spring, and during her visit, she met with, um, I believe, all of Minnesota's tribal leaders, almost all, um, in a historic gathering that Senator Klobuchar and I also attended, along with Lieutenant Governor Flanagan and Representative McCollum. Being a partner for Minnesota tribes in Washington is a great honor for me, and so I am very glad to chair this field hearing and to welcome Assistant Secretary Newland, Acting Director Fowler and Mr. Bauman from the federal government to Minnesota to discuss the infrastructure priorities of tribal nations in Minnesota. I want to note that the last field hearing of this committee in Minnesota took place at White Earth, where Senator Al Franken highlighted the importance of addressing the needs of tribal schools, especially Baganagishig. In that field hearing, Senator Franken and then Chair Byron Dorgan of North Dakota highlighted the appalling conditions at the school and others like it. After that hearing, and with great perseverance um, by the bands and Senator Franken, the school received a $16 million grant to rebuild. Uh, this is what happens when the federal government-to-government -government relationship works and when we hold field, field hearings like this one. We can start in these hearings to address the historic wrongs against Native and tribal communities. So it is fitting that our topic today is infrastructure and especially how President Biden's Infrastructure and Jobs Act can benefit tribal nations. It is fitting because the federal government has long failed to live up to its promises and trust responsibilities to provide the roads and bridges and broadband and drinking water and wastewater systems that Native communities need. For decades, many Native communities have experienced the direct negative impacts of federal underinvestment and underfunding of critical community infrastructure. Many roads in Native communities are primitive or in poor condition, hurting safety and hampering economic development. Native communities lag behind the rest of the country in accessing broadband services. Just 46% of housing units on tribal land have access to fixed broadband. Native American households, particularly those on trust lands, are 19 times more likely to lack indoor plumbing, contributing to a significant disparity in health outcomes. Tribal nations are rich with 
cultural and economic opportunities and assets. But it is difficult or impossible to realize these opportunities without adequate infrastructure. So with these disparities in mind, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act that passed at the end of last year is a transformational investment for all of Minnesota and for tribal nations. It is the largest long-term investment in our nation's infrastructure and competitiveness in a generation and the biggest investment in infrastructure on tribal lands. The infrastructure bill will bring billions of dollars to Minnesota for roads and bridges, broadband, water infrastructure, and much more. And it must work for tribes also. So the purpose of this hearing is to understand how these transformational infrastructure investments can benefit tribal nations in Minnesota. This bill has $13 billion for tribal-specific programs and set-asides, and I'm committed to making sure that these resources are equitably distributed and accessible to tribal nations, and that it can make a lasting impact. These $13 billion will help address the long-standing infrastructure inequities in tribal communities that impact the health and economic well-being and safety of Native peoples. Here are just a few highlights. There is $3.5 billion for Indian Health Service sanitation facilities that will make drinking water safe and improve sewage and waste disposal systems. There's $3.8 billion for roads and bridges on tribal lands to make roadways safer for cars and pedestrians. There's $2 billion for broadband on tribal land, which will improve access to education, telehealth, and economic opportunities. And there's $200 million for climate resilience so that tribal nations can plan for and implement responses to climate change. This bill can be a turning point for how the federal government partners with tribal nations. And I will do everything that I can to support the work of Minnesota tribal nations to access these dollars. Now, the tribal leaders who are here today to testify will speak directly to their priority projects, but I'd like to lay out some broad priorities that they have already shared. First, grant funding needs to be equitably distributed and accessible to all tribal governments, especially for smaller tribes. Federal applications and reporting requirements can be burdensome, and it often is difficult for smaller tribes to get access even to compete for these resources, even though their needs are great. It is also deeply challenging for tribes to be put in a position of competing with each other for infrastructure investments that they all need and that have historically been underfunded. Through a robust consultation process, we need federal agencies overseeing distribution of funds to consider these challenges and to resolve them. Second, funding needs to be flexible. I strongly believe that these leaders and the governments that they oversee, which are closest to the needs of their communities, know best what will work in their communities. We need to listen to them and to create the flexibilities that they need to accomplish the most that they can with these resources. And third, Minnesota tribes are ready to lead the way. They are already leading the way on clean energy and sustainability. We had an opportunity uh, uh, Chairman Lars, I mean Chairman uh, Anderson, to see a little bit of what um, what the Chocolate Bed Walkington community is doing with the organics facility is just one example. We can learn a lot from these smart, bold ideas that Minnesota tribal nations have been tackling on climate change, reducing emissions, and putting their communities at the forefront of a clean energy future. From organics recycling to solar arrays, electric vehicle charging to PFAS mitigation, tribes in Minnesota are ready to put infrastructure funding to use to address this existential threat of climate change. 
So I hope that this hearing will be an opportunity for our witnesses to engage with one another and with Congress to celebrate the opportunities for Indian country and the bipartisan infrastructure law and to make sure that this funding is equitably accessible and distributed to tribal nations across the country and in Minnesota. Uh, before I introduce our witnesses, I would like to extend a thank you to uh, Chair Brian Schatz and Vice Chair Lisa Murkowski of the Senate Indian Affairs Committee. Although they're not with us today, I am grateful for their partnership and for allowing this important field hearing to happen here in Minnesota. They both have a strong commitment to advocating for American Indian, Native Hawaiian, and Alaska Native people, and I'm grateful for their leadership. I also want to take a moment to thank um, staff, Connie Sosidaharo, pardon me, Connie Sosidaharo and Brianne Nuhiwa um, from the Senate Indian Affairs Committee for being with us today and also thank my staff, Raven Gibbs and Anna McCloskey for helping to put this um, important hearing together. A lot of work has gone into this and I'm quite grateful. So I'm now going to introduce our witness panel and um, we will um, start with the tribal leaders and then come to the um, federal government witnesses. Um, the, I would like to um, introduce first uh, the Honorable Keith Larson. Um, I keep saying that. I think I'm, I'm channeling Deuce here. Yes, the Honorable Keith Anderson, Chairman of Shockley Mid-Walkington Sioux Community in Prior Lake, Minnesota. The Honorable Melanie Benjamin, Chief Executive of the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe. The Honorable Kathy Chavers, Chairwoman of the Boys Fort Band of Chippewa in Orr, Minnesota, and the Honorable Robert Larson, Deuce Larson, President of the Lower Sioux Indian Community in Morton, Minnesota, and the Honorable Kevin Dupe, Chair of the Fond du Lac Band of Lake Superior Chippewa in Cloquet, Minnesota. In addition, we're grateful to recognize our federal government witnesses, um, Honorable, the Honorable Brian Newland, Assistant Secretary, Indian Affairs, U.S. Department of the Interior of Washington, D.C. Um, Elizabeth Fowler, who is Acting Director of the Indian Health Service, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And Jeremiah Bauman, Chief of Staff, Office of the Undersecretary for Infrastructure, Department of Energy, Washington, D.C. Thank you very much, and we will start with the Honorable Keith Anderson.